We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Goldman. I'm joined today by Michael. He likes doing this, uh, the show better solo. Fachi, Fachi, how's it going, man? Hey, I don't know about that. <laughs> I always miss you when you're not here. The chemistry is irreplaceable. Some could even say it's Halliburton and Buddy Heald-esque. Oh, man, I don't I don't know. I, I heard you and Scott say, we can hold the fort down without him. I said, man... What a low blow. So, no, I'm just kidding. It was a great interview. Really want to appreciate, want to say thank you to Michael Scotto. Appreciate him coming on. And I loved what he had to say about John Collins and his value. I thought that was really interesting, Fachi. But, um, you know, what the Hawks think it's worth and what the league <laughs> people are saying, we need a pick for John Collins. They're <laughs> saying <laughs> we want a pick for John Collins. I thought that was pretty interesting. But I do agree with him. It's been too quiet. I think something's going to happen. And it's going to be something we're not expecting. You know, it's going to come out of nowhere, like the week of or something. I'm just, I'm just excited for that much. And sometimes that does happen. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton was the guy who was the most stunned last year when he got traded. Yeah. There was no signs pointing to that. And that ended up being a blockbuster trade involving, you know, our Pacers. So yeah. who knows what's going to happen. But I do think that we're at a point where as each day or week goes by, we'll, we'll see a little bit of a breadcrumb leading to a potentially big deal. Yeah, so let me just ask you this. Do you Did you ever remember that cheer that they used to say in high school, like one, two, three, four, five, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly? Ooh, yeah. Ooh, you yes. ugly? Okay, that's this Pacers team right now, Fachi. It's been ugly. And I uh, sorry for that cringe little uh, cheer there for, for everybody mm-hmm. listening. A little cringe, but accurate. Yes, but it's it's been ugly. And it's like we've lost five games in a row, so I thought that was pretty accurate, one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> but – it's been bad. And I will just say this, like nothing was worse than watching that Thunder game 17 to one to start things out. 
Shea Gilgis Alexander was a plus 38. Rick Carlisle was like, that's the first thing I usually look at. I know it's not a, the, the, you know, the biggest stat doesn't tell the whole story, but that's one thing I look at. And so he's like, Trevlin Queen was like a plus 12. I thought that was great. But look at the starters. Like Buddy Hill was he like a minus 27, something crazy like that. Yeah, so it, it was brutal. Yeah. So this Thunder game was bad. Obviously, the Milwaukee game on Monday, we didn't cover that one either. That was the game. TJ McConnell has a career high in the first half 25 points, nine and nine shooting, four, four from three. He ends up with 29, only scored four points in the second half. So I, I don't know. It's just one of those things where I'm just like, even when you think they're going to have a chance to win, they don't because they just couldn't control Drew Holiday. This team right now, Fachi, they're on a five-game losing streak. No Tyrese Halliburton. He won't be back till the beginning of February at the earliest, so it's not going to get any easier. No, it's not. And Halliburton's update, because Halliburton did appear on the Old Man, the Three podcast, J.J. Yeah. Reddick's podcast, as well as Ben McMatherin did. Yeah, but shout Halliburton, out Ben. Awesome to see us getting coverage. Right? You know, a, a, uh, a double dose of Pacers, you know, on that episode. But Halliburton said specifically – you know, he used crutches for about two days. The MRI came back, said that nothing was structurally wrong with his knee. He started a run. He's ramping it up, but he's also going to be taking the next 11 to 12 days to really make sure that, you know, he's healthy in a good spot. The hope is to be ready to return by the start of February. Pacers, you know, the schedule goes on. It, it yeah. really does. It does not get easier because life without Halliburton has not been – Hasn't been fun. Hasn't been well. And you talked about the Bucks loss. Let's also factor in that Giannis and Chris Middleton were out yeah. in that game. So the Bucks weren't at full strength either. That's a one. That's a game that the Pacers let slip away. And that Thunder game was downright miserable. Pacers trailed by as many as twenty nine points in that game. They had twenty four turnovers. And on the other side, uh, they let they let the Thunder play almost perfect basketball. Forty one assists. On 47 shots mm. for the Thunder. So just a tale of, of, you know, two totally different, you know, uh, styles of basketball because the Pacers style was borderline unwatchable. And I really do look forward to getting Tyrese Halliburton back. But, man, Alex, you put out a tweet last week. This was before the Thunder game. I'm going to run through some of these numbers, but I want to make sure I give you credit on the tweet because it was great. Go Here for it, the, man. <laughs> the numbers without Halliburton prior to the Thunder game. A uh, little update for you, everybody. The numbers are worse after the Thunder game, but the Pacers <laughs> ranked 30th in field goal percentage, three-point percentage 24th at 31.6, an offensive rating of 109.3 was good for 27th in the league. It's now lower. Defensive rating of 119.8 was 23rd. The net rating of minus 10.5 was 26th in the league, and the turnover percentage of 15.2 uh, was 26th. That's you know, before a 24 turnover game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So life without Halliburton is, I would say, far worse than we could have imagined. Yeah, and I mean, it's no knock on Andrew Nimhard because it's a, a tall task to ask him to 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 be as efficient as Halliburton or just like half of that. But it's just like he's not been playing point guard all year. He's been playing off ball. Mm -hmm. And then he has to kind of change who he is as a player this year uh, for the Pacers without without Halliburton. And I think TJ McConnell's done a pretty good job in his stead. I think he's really stepped up like we talked about in that Bucks game. But even if you look at that Bucks game, like it was 30, they were outscored 39 to 21 in the fourth quarter. You can't give up 18 point differential in the fourth quarter, let alone 39 points. So, you know, in my personal opinion, I think this is where the Pacers like that, that Thunder game was just atrocious from the beginning to the end. 
And I was like, what, what is happening here? I mean, Treble and Queen was the player of the game for the Pacers in that one. And, you know, shout out Treble and Queen because, you know, he deserves that love. But at the same time, like, you can't you can't have that happening when you're trying to stay afloat in the Eastern Conference standings right now and avoid the play-in game. But right now it looks like they're going to be a play-in team if they even make the playoffs, Fachi. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But one big thing people aren't even looking at, like, you could say, okay, when Halliburton comes back in February – we're going to be a much better team. We're going to get back on track. Well, we got to see how he looks when he comes back because he's going to be rusty, number one. And number two, who says Miles Turner is still on this team at that point? If Miles Turner is traded at that point, this team is a drastically different looking team than they were, you know, just at the beginning of uh, of January into December when they were playing great basketball. So right now, this team, honestly, it, it feels like they could go one or two directions. And, and one is hold it together wait for Halliburton to come back and maybe make the play in and see what you can do. The other one is maybe they sell off a of miles, realize he's just wants a test free agency and they decide to go to the other route, start playing more of their young guys, more minutes, let Kendall Brown get some more looks, Terry Taylor, that kind of stuff and go the other way and start losing games and start developing like they had planned to do all season long and position themselves for a better draft pick. It's a really tough spot to be in because even say Halliburton does return by February 2nd, the first game in February, there's still six games to go. You're talking about the Denver Nuggets, the Phoenix Suns, Chicago Bulls, Orlando Magic, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm. Few of those teams are at the very top of their conference or are looked at as serious contenders. Right now, there's a chance I don't envision the Pacers losing all six of those games because, uh, you know, a team like Chicago and Orlando, those, those are winnable games. Phoenix is struggling. You never know. But, Can I just rebuttal a little bit there? Because what do you got? we're playing the Suns on the second half of a back-to-back after playing Fuck in good. altitude against Denver, okay? <laughs> like, we're, re- we're recording this before the Nuggets game, just so yes. everybody knows. We're going to release this probably Saturday or Sunday. I'm not sure yet, but... Both the Phoenix and the Denver games could have already been played. So I just want to put that out there. But I'm just saying, like, playing in Denver, the best team probably in the NBA right now, maybe the Grizzlies, but they're right there. One of the best home records in the NBA. They're they're lights out. In altitude, that's almost like a guaranteed loss. Now, I say that we're going to end up winning this game, which is just how it goes, Achi. But it feels like it's a guaranteed loss. And then play back-to-back against the struggling Suns team. I understand they're not playing right, but – you know, this is a this is a team that still has talent on it. You can't overlook them. And then, like you said, they should beat the Bulls or the Magic. Well, the Bulls are still trying to compete, and it's on the second half of a back to back, or the Magic game is, excuse me, on the second half of a back to back because the Bulls were home for that, then we're right back on the road again. So, you know, it's just like I don't really know if there is an easy win in sight. People say there's three winnable games. They're winnable, but how how winnable? Exactly. It's like we could win some of those games, not necessarily we should. So the schedule ain't doing us any favors. Uh, there, there are a couple losses, like like for instance, I'm already chalking up his losses, but Milwaukee, Memphis. I mean, th- that's it's going to be brutal. February is tough too before the All Star break. February is tough. So you're talking about Halliburton's coming back to a team that could potentially look a little bit different. I mean, the, the trade deadline is February 9th. And right now, you could just see these guys do not look the same without him. Here's a couple numbers I want to throw at you. Buddy healed in life without Tyrese Halliburton. Since the injury, he's at, uh, Buddy's averaging 11 points per game on 34% shooting, 
38% from three, which would normally be good, but he's shooting 42.5% on the year from three. Here's the catch. Two of those games, Buddy Hield has scored three points and five points. Mm. And in those games, had either one made shot or just two. That is not typical, Buddy. So you could see that he's hurting from the loss of Tyrese Halliburton. And if you go over to Benedict Matherin, outside of the 26-point, 9 of 18 shooting night against the Hawks, the last three games, Matherin's averaging 13.6 points per game on just 38% from the field. Mm. And maybe the guy who could have been benefiting under the radar the most from Halliburton or you know, looks to be set up, Aaron Neesmith, since returning from his injury, he's averaging 7.3 points per game on 8 of 29 shooting and 2 of 15 overall from 3. Uh, 2 of 15 from 3. That's good for 13%. So Mm. that's a guy who's struggling to get the same looks that he's been getting. Overall, no one can say, hey, this guy plays better without Halliburton, except for (laughs) TJ McConnell has seen an uptick. But look. That's not really what you want to say. Hey, I think we got something there. I'm happy with what McConnell's done for us, but overall, people are struggling without the NBA's assist leader being gone. Well, I mean, it just goes to show you how much he orchestrates and is the engine to this Pacers offense and team. I mean, he's happy-go-lucky all the time. He's always encouraging. Benedict Matherin said it today with J.J. Redick. You know, there's times when Tyrese is like – uh you know, Ben, do you need the ball? And Ben's like, yeah, I need more touches. Give me the ball. And that's like, you can tell Nimhard that, but it's just a lot easier for Halliburton to do things. Like that cross-court pass that Halliburton had to Nimhard for the game winner. Like we saw the video of him explaining what he saw. For him to process that in three seconds, it is a special talent that really can do is. that. It's not just anybody can do that. Like what Hallib- Halliburton's biggest case for the All-Star game has happened in his absence, okay? I think so. This team is terrible, I'm sorry, but they're just not a good basketball team without Tyrese Halliburton. Look, they can have good individual performances like a Benedict Matherin scoring 26 or Miles Turner having 30 against the Bucks. But as a collective group, he is the glue that holds that team together. And that's what you want from your best player. Like when you don't have your best guy out there, you should be a lot worse. And that's kind of what it's showing. Like basketball is a game where it's a team sport, but one person can make a big that big of a difference, right? And I think we're seeing that. That, that he is that guy for us. So when we don't have him, we really are struggling. And that's why I think, Fachi, we're going to be without him for at least another 11 days here in the month of January. And if he comes back in February, that first game is a Thursday night against the Los Angeles Lakers. And they're a team that's, you know, that's 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 the game LeBron James could break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. If you look at the way his points have gone, like the 48 against Houston really helps the Pacers case there for him being in Gamebridge to break that. Now, knowing LeBron will probably sit out that game, but you never know. And then we got the Kings on the second night of a back-to-back right there in Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So it's like, I'm looking at this from a totally different perspective. And I'm going to tell you this right now, Fachi, at the beginning of the year, me and you both thought going to be a tough year. This is going to be hard to watch. What we're seeing right now, we thought was going to be the story for most of the season. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a light flip switch switches, and this team just starts playing incredible basketball. We were waiting. Okay, just wait. Let's see if they end up staying there, Flash. Let's see if they can pull this one out. And bada-bing, bada-boom, they just keep winning games. And we're just like, okay, whatever. Let's just embrace it for what it is. This is a good basketball team. They're going to make the playoffs. Let's just enjoy the experience, whatever. And now – we're seeing them fall back to like the ninth or 10th seed in the Eastern Conference. And we're starting to think to ourselves, 
okay, maybe we weren't too far off with where this team's actually at. And I think at the end of the day, this is my hot take. This is, this is the best scenario for the Pacers. Look, Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, they had their hands tied because this team was playing so well. How are you going to break this up? You had no out. You had to let this ride out because if you break this team up before the deadline, after they're playing so well, and if they had continued to play well, how are you going to sell that to Halliburton? You're not. But now that they're without Halliburton for two or three weeks and they're starting to lose a bunch of games, now they can say, okay, we can't come to a contract negotiation with Miles. We can trade him before the deadline, make our team a lot worse. Halliburton will come back, but we won't have our anchor there at the center position, our second best player all season long. And they can say, okay, we've got a good young team. We know what we like, but we still are going to position ourselves to get a top 10 draft pick, which is what the goal should have been all season long. The awesome run got fans excited, got fans engaged with this young team. That's what you wanted. Now it's time to focus on the big picture because the way this team gets better is by getting another draft pick. And that's what Rick Carlisle has said every interview when he's talked about this team. I'm talking a lot here, but he said, we got to get more talent. The best way to get more talent It's not making these win-now trades for a John Collins or a Kyle Kuzma or any of that kind of stuff like we talked about. It's about building through the draft to put with Tyrese, Benedict, Nimhard, and whoever you want to build with. But there is legitimate talent in this top 10, Fachi, that could change this franchise. And I think that's the way to go. I know people aren't going to want to hear that from me. And I've been trying to be careful about jumping back on this ship. But it's what I felt like they should be doing the whole season long. The winning was fun for a moment. But now take a step back and realize what's important. Get this team more young talent with Matherin, with Halliburton. Man, the last few games have changed a lot. You start to see the Pacers now clinging. But they got they're they're in the ninth spot as we're recording this. About a few games up on the Toronto Raptors for that final playing spot. It doesn't feel great. It really doesn't. By the time Halliburton returns, I, I do expect the Pacers to probably be out of the plan territory. And I've been so hesitant to really dip back into looking at that first mock draft board. I really, I really haven't. I've, I've refrained from it, but inside I know the wonders a top 10 pick could do this team because they already have a great young core over here. I've seen enough to be excited about next year and the, the, the additional picks coming in, the cap flexibility, the youth on this team, but man, this this, this might have been the wake-up call that people needed to just say, like, guys, you know we're not there yet. You know we're not. And the tone on Twitter, it has changed. Mm-hmm. It has changed. People are starting to throw up those tankathons, seeing the Pacers start to enter that lottery standpoint. And, you know, it, it does kind of have you have one foot in, one foot out. But, man, I, I just – I'm happy to know that the Halliburton injury is just, like, pretty much on the, the, the course of the timeline that they provided – but will the damage have been done by then? That's the thing because we're up against a hard trade deadline schedule where if you can't get that agreement done with Miles in about two weeks, there could be a shakeup over here. There, mm-hmm. there really could. I can't say that I'm against a shakeup. I'm just I want to I want to go the course of what could get us to the promised land. And at this point to keep this team intact exactly how it is right now for the rest of the year, I don't think makes that much sense. No, it doesn't. And I and I will say this, like I've had some tough conversations about Buddy Heald and whether or not the Pacers should keep him. And I personally love Buddy Heald, and I've tweeted several times, don't trade him. I will say 
I will say this. If you are open for business and looking to lose more games this year, and you're looking to maybe sell off on some of your asset, some of your assets, it would make sense to listen to offers on Buddy still. I I des I don't think it's like a desperation thing where you have to trade him, Fotch, but I do think you that don't. it's something you should consider, in, in my personal opinion, just because if he can get you back a decent first round pick, now you have four picks to play with to move up in this draft. And there's a lot of guys I see on the board here in, in a lot of these mock drafts for a lot of these big boards. And I see a lot of players, I think, that Rick Carlisle and the Pacers front office would like. I'm going to throw this out here right now. Don't be surprised if they use some of those picks in the later rounds to trade up and try to draft Chris Murray out of Iowa. They loved Keegan Murray so much last year, and a lot of people talk about the similarities in their game. Obviously, Keegan's a much better defender and probably a better shooter, but Chris Murray is like a bootleg version of his brother, and I think the Pacers would probably like something like that. And he's projected around like that 15 to 20 range because he's a little bit older. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. But I, I just think, in my personal opinion, Right now, the best thing they can do, Fachi, is just take a step back, realize that this team, it's not a good idea to be in that 10 to 15 range for your pick because this is where they've kind of been at the last couple of years. And when they've not been able to make the playoffs, like nobody likes pick 15, 16, 17. Like it's okay. It's better than 30, right? Or 25. But if you're 25 to 30, that means you're making a deep playoff run probably. So I just feel like in the best interest of this team, Bring Halliburton back as slow as possible. Let him get healthy. Let these young guys develop. Start playing Halliburton and Matherin as many minutes as you can for the rest of the season to see what they can do together on the floor. If it results in wins, I'm fine with that, only because I'm liking the development of the two players. But I just think you have to look long and hard at what the important goal is here, and I think that's just acquiring talent through the draft because we know that this Pacers team is not going to get free agents, and we know that they don't have a lot of things to trade besides their picks because the young players they have the ones they want to trade aren't going to get you much back and the ones that you want to keep you don't want to get rid of to get what you really want so that's why i just say build through the draft and don't stop now i know people don't want to hear that but i think it's a smart thing well now let's let's take a look back at last year you know last year the Pacers were shopping turner or opening they were open to calls they were taking calls on turner put it that way now we're about three weeks out from the deadline. He had a back injury flare-up, some back spasms, missed a couple games. Right now, what do you do with Turner? Do you put him out there and let him continue to play great basketball? Or do you take it a little bit easy on him, give him some rest, realizing that if there's an injury to occur, he ain't going nowhere but heading towards free agency? Man, that's a, that's a good question. I think, man, you, you put me on the spot here. You're on the spot. Oh my goodness, this is tough. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can sit him out. I don't think, I think he can. Maybe a rest here or there. Yeah, just on like the second night of a back to back. It's like he played a lot of minutes, but that's why they were cautious. I think in the first place with the back spasms. That's yep. why he missed what three games: mm -hmm. the Knicks game, the Hawks game, and the Grizzlies game. And then he came back for that game against the Bucks, and he looked pretty good. So, you know, I think sometimes that extra rest is just needed because the season is so long. Just giving a guy a couple games off that's you know had injuries before it probably is smart to be careful with it but yeah i mean honestly like as much as like trading miles does make some sense if you're trying to rebuild i also think like you and scott have talked about with mather and halliburton you got your backcourt if turner's your long-term center it does make sense and then just trying to find those two forward positions whoever they end up being uh for the future i, I think that's another way to go but i i would just say this with turner 
I think you just got to let it ride itself out and just hope for the best because if you can't prevent an injury for the next three weeks, like if if he gets injured now at this point, it's just like, okay, <laughs> it's only going to make his cost in terms of like re-signing probably cheaper if he does get hurt again, because who's going to want to pay for a guy that constantly gets injured. I just, I, I think he's done a good job of keeping himself healthy this year. Yes. So for me personally, I would say just ride it out and, and, and hope for the best. Yeah. Look, I got, I got no problem riding it out in terms of not, you know, uh, you know, intentionally need, resting. Yeah, exactly. We don't need to intentionally rest him. If it's just resting for a, a back-to-back in, in an instance over there, okay, sure. I just know last year it, it felt like Turner probably would have been traded, hurt his foot at, I would say, the worst time, and, and the Pacers had no flexibility there. There were no suitors. So I would love for them to be able to come to a deal that makes sense for, for both teams. But if they cannot, I just don't want the Pacers being left out in the rain uh, you know, if they can't come to an agreement right. now knowing that, th- that they could have helped this team for the future. And then uh, looking at uh, Chris Duarte, he, he has improved a little bit lately. Oh, now, yeah. I don't, I don't I think it's a good time for him to up his stock if he is potentially being, you know, involved in any trade talk. But over the last three games, he's shooting eight of 17 from three. That's good for 47 percent and 42 percent overall from the field during that stretch compared to shooting 31% from the field and 29% from three this month. So the last three games have been a bit more kind to him. But, I mean, that, that just kind of really shows that this this year has been a disaster. So if we can only look at a three-game sample size, that's that's the best positiveness I could find on Duarte Lili. <laughs> I mean, is it to the point now where you just kind of like – Realize with Chris Duarte, it's not worth overreacting to the slump that he was in and letting him work through it because I feel like a lot of the guys from the sophomore class have regressed this year. I mean, we're talking about the big names too, like Scotty Barnes has regressed a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, Herb Jones has regressed in, in New Orleans. Like He's been fine, but he's not the same. But I just I feel like there's other names out there too. But there's other guys that have stepped up and had big – second seasons as well. I mean, it's just kind of like the nature of the game of basketball. You're going to have your moments, but do we think we're maybe just a little bit too overreactionary to Chris Duarte having this, the slump right now, or is it more so you just feel like he doesn't fit with what they're trying to do? If this was like three weeks ago, I'd say, look, let's give him time. Now it's just like, he looks rough out there. He looks rough. The last couple of games, like I mentioned, they have been better, and I'm I'm happy to see that. But it's like even the frustration that he's showing, he, he's in his own head. I really do think he's in his own head. The ball isn't going in as as, as much as it used to, and I think it's taken a toll on him. Yeah, I, I want I want to see him snap out of this, but I kind of find it hard to see him be the guy that he was last year, just because he's not playing that same type of role. Yeah, I think a lot of it's the role, and I also think a lot of it's the style of play, which I mentioned before on a podcast. I mean, not that this style of play can't work for him because Rick Carlisle likes guys that can defend and shoot threes, but I just think maybe some of the looks he was getting before with a guy like Sabonis could make some sense for him. So just depends on where he goes and if he's traded, like what team makes the most sense for him and what's what team's going to be able to generate the looks that he needs to get. But you're right. I mean, at this point, I think if you're doing a pecking order of who's the most important on this Pacers roster, he is probably not in the top five to six. 
And I think at no, the beginning of the season, he's probably top three or four. Like yeah. that's how that's how drastic of a season it's been for him. It's just like I don't want to sell the guy short a little bit because I know that he has the potential to be a good good basketball player. I'm not saying a great basketball player, but he's a good role player. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think with the way the style of play is like obviously Buddy costs a lot more money because of his contract currently and what he might, you know, get on the open market after next season um, or after the next two seasons when he's a free agent. It could make more sense to have the team control contract of Chris Duarte and kind of hope that it plays out that way. But I think right now just how impactful Buddy's been to this team, you would probably prefer to move Buddy to the bench and find a new home for Duarte instead of find a home for Buddy and, and give Duarte more of an opportunity. That's just how I read it. I'm with you on that, though. You could give him more of an opportunity, and it just might not work out over here where I feel like you know what you're getting out of Buddy Heald. Larger you, you sample know, size. Larger sample size. One of the best three-point shooters, not only in the league, when he, by the time he retires, will be one of the best three-point shooters ever. Yeah, He will. Duarte right now, he's in a funk. You saw a good rookie year. He was older than everybody else in his class, so he was faster to produce. But now it, it's just, man, I really want to see him flourish. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if it's really going to be flourishing in Indiana. And, Ox, I want to leave you with, with this thought. It was reported, I don't know how credible it is, but it was reported by someone in the Raptors media that the asking price for OG right now is two promising young players on a team-friendly deal and a first-round pick. I thought it would have been more. Tweeted it out saying, oh, wow, I know a team that could check a few of those boxes. And a lot of people ran with different combinations on the team between a Chris Duarte, a Jalen Smith, you know, Andrew Nemhar. They're going into it. You know, Isaiah Jackson was named in there. If that is the asking price for OG, two promising young players on a team-friendly deal and a first-round pick, who would be the players that you think Toronto could be intrigued by from us? Yeah, from us, that's a good question. I definitely, I definitely think they'd want Matherin, but that's not going to happen. That, yeah, yeah, we're not doing that. Matherin right, is right. off the table. I'm so just saying, yeah, <laughs> promising players. I think Matherin's like the top of their asking list. I'm just in terms of like, okay, we know we can't get Halliburton. Let's ask for the next best thing. <laughs> They're not getting Matherin. Okay, I know that. No. Um, I think that it's definitely got to be Nimhard in that, you know, because he's on a very friendly deal. Uh, got three more years left, and I think. He's struggling right now, so his value might be a little bit lower. But I think defensively what he's proven with their point guard situation with Van Vliet being an unrestricted free agent, I think, coming up at the end of this year or he has a player option that he can decline, I think. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I mean, there's a question mark there. I think he's a guy that definitely is in the mix. I don't necessarily think Jalen Smith is a guy that's going to really intrigue them. I think Duarte I think so, could. Could. Just because Gary Trent Jr. is going to be a, a guy that's a hot name that could be moved, and so they could have a hole there at the shooting guard position. And I think Nimhard and Duarte are both defensive-minded players that this Raptors team could be intrigued by because of their length and their ability to guard more than just one position. So those are the two guys I think would be the most likely in the trade, I, even though Isaiah Jackson does have some upside. I think they already have enough guys like Precious Achua, those kind of bigs, where they wouldn't be as intrigued. So those I would say the two guards... And then you're probably talking about the Pacers pick and not one of the Cavs or the Celtics. Everybody wants to say Cavs or Celtics. It's like, no, those picks are not that valuable. And it might even have to be a future pick. Like maybe you're talking about a 2024, 2025 Pacers top one protected pick. Like it's not going to have very many protections on it. (laughs) So I just, I personally just feel like there's going to be other teams that 
are able to put a better package together than us. And that's why I don't think a deal is likely going to happen with Toronto. But for me, that'd be my package. What about you? Yeah, I mean, initially I was thinking, hey, you know, this, this could end up being a situation where I, I think Nemhard's in there. I think that every to. team has the right to be intrigued by Andrew Nemhard. He's been very promising. So Nemhard is in there as a, as a starting price of, okay, you probably have to, you know, fork him up. Then next, I know they love the Isaiah Jackson type players. To your point, they do have a few of them. So I wondered, is it Ajax and Nemhard and our pick? Or do you try and convince them if it's, you know, Chris Duarte instead of Isaiah Jackson because you don't know the future of Miles Turner? Do you then need to include another pick? So probably I think even if it's Ajax instead, you have to include another pick to really sweeten the offer. You're talking two picks plus two promising players. And I mean, it's not a bad deal, honestly, for OG, but I just think right now the value is crazy, like Scotto talked about, because of the trades with Gobert and DeJounte I Murray. It. I mean, I honestly, where like, when that trade went down, like we were just like blown away because that's the same day Brogdon got traded. The, the Gobert one happened like five minutes before we were about to record, and we were like, what the heck? Or I think it might have happened during the recording. It was just like so out of left field, and it was so bizarre. Like, you know, you got David Locke, like, oh, who would you rather start a franchise with, Walker Kessler or Rudy Gobert today? And I'm just like, really, dude? Like, Stop being such a jazz homer. Yeah. And he's like, would you rather have a Lori Markinen or Donovan Mitchell? I'm like, okay, this is just getting out of hand. But I <laughs> just like, but at this point, I, I think it's smart to not rush into make any trades and just kind of let everything play out and get back to normalcy because eventually these deals are going to come down in terms of the asking price, Foch. They have to. But I don't blame GMs for being greedy because of how stupid the other GMs were to make the trades they made. So I mean, now now you're just kind of in a wait-and-see mode, and, and what, what team is going to be stupid enough to give up more assets than they should for players that don't deserve as many assets as they're getting traded for? I heard the Spurs are asking for two first-round picks for Jakob Hurdle, who's heading towards free agency. Yeah. What are we doing here? I mean, well, everybody cannot have such a large price tag attached to their name. That's why at first when I thought about OG, I was like, okay, well, I think we can swing this deal. If you're talking about giving them two first-round picks and two young players, I can't do it. We're not a year away from winning at all. So it's a trade that I have to back out at that point. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough spot to be in. Like, it depends on what protections are on the picks. If they're unprotected, like, this is where the Lakers deal would have made a lot of sense for the Pacers because if they were able to trade Miles and Buddy earlier in the season, get those two unprotected picks, now you're talking, okay – We'll give you one of those picks, one of our other picks, and a player or two for OG. Now you're talking, okay, these are some serious assets here. Right now, you don't want to fork, you know, fork your future for OG yeah. and Anobi, who's going to be a free agent at the end of next offseason. Exactly. So you're talking about one year for OG and Anobi, basically. Uh, you're giving up Duarte, Nimhard, and two first-round picks? No. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's silly unless you feel like he's going to resign. And you have to almost have a promise from him that he will resign once he's traded. Sign that extension. That trade makes a lot more sense then. But I just don't want to go down the same path that you're in right now, currently with Miles, where you're just in sitting uh, C mode with what, what he wants to do because the ball's in his court. And you talked about, you know, wanting two first round picks. Scotto said on the podcast that you guys reported on Thursday night that the Pacers wanted two first round picks from Miles Turner. 
I, I understand them wanting to start negotiations out there, and I'll give Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, all of them a lot of credit because they said they wanted two first-round picks for Karis LeVert. They pretty much got it. <laughs> you, you, I, it. They got the Cavs, you know, protected pick, which we'll hopefully finally get this year. And then they got Nimhard at the 31st overall pick. So they basically almost got And that seemed comical at the time. Two first-round picks for LeVert. Hey, you know what? The front office did as close to that as possible. Two first-round picks from Miles Turner this year is not happening. I just don't think there's that much of a need for bigs right now on this market because there's a bunch of teams that aren't in position to win. And the teams yeah. that are in position to win, I think they have their bigs pretty much figured out. You look at a team like the Lakers, who had a lot of interest. Alex, they're in the 13th spot in the West right now. I don't think they're going to be mortgaging anything just to make a push into the playing game. No, you're right about that. I mean, and the, and the standings across the league are crazy because even if you look at the Western Conference, the Utah Jazz are at sixth with a 24 and 24 record. They're 500. That means there is nine teams in the Western Conference with a less than 500 record, and one of those teams is OKC. They're one game under 500. They just spanked us, and they're in the 10th spot. So it's honestly like just it's just crazy how bad that that Western conference has been overall record wise, because everybody's been talking like Dallas is so bad this year. Like they're 24 and 22, but they're the fifth seed. It's like the record looks like it's like, Oh, that's a 500 basketball team, but 500 is getting you the fifth seed in the Western conference. And then you look at the East. It's like, we're 23 and 23 holding on to the ninth seed, but we're only a game and a half up on the bulls who are 21 and 24 right now. And we're talking on Friday uh, before the nuggets game. So Honestly, like, that's why I'm sitting here thinking, Fachi, like, there's going to be some teams that are like the Wizards, that are like the Raptors. They could say, we're one move away from really getting going on a run. Let's make a trade. Like, you know, the Wizards just got Bradley Beal back, so maybe that helps them kind of catapult themselves up into the 9-10 spot. But I just think for me, Fachi, to kind of wrap everything up, it doesn't make a lot of sense for the Pacers to be in that 9-10 spot if they could just bottom out a little bit, fall to, like, of 11 12 13 maybe in the eastern conference get into that top eight range again because i think the top eight is going to be like super super talented in this year's draft and kevin pritchard even said it last year there's usually seven to eight players deep in a draft that you feel really good about so i think if they can just bottom out and just take a step back and get themselves a better draft position it'll be better for the future for this team i understand playoff experience is important but let's get that next year once we have another young player that can go with Halliburton, who's going to be budding into a superstar, I think he has that level of talent. Hopefully Mathern takes another step in his sophomore year, and Nimhard another step, and get your rookie in here. I think that's the more logical, realistic way of team building than getting yourself a little bit overhyped on a, a feel-good month in December and a little bit of November and overthinking that your team's better than what it really is. Alex, they can't take those October, November, December memories from us. They can't. We got them. Oh, yeah, we got them. I'm not letting them go. That was some great Pacer yeah. basketball I saw. But, man, January has not been kind. I, I do not like what I'm seeing right now. And please bring me Halliburton back ASAP. He said, start of February. I don't want to wish the time away. But get me to February because I miss watching the boys the way that I like to see him with a fast-paced offense, hitting threes, scoring a lot of points. It, it is just – we've just been giving up a lot of points lately. 
do you want him to tank? I mean, not tank full out, but like bottom out a little bit to get a better draft pick. Is that how you yeah. feel? I, I, I go into the year absolutely one hundred and ten percent. Now I'm, I'm like I'm losing my grip on the factor that we could be a playoff team. Now I'm just like, man, I don't want to sign up for a play in team. I wanted to right. play off team, but at this point, and we were as high as like the fifth seed, you know, right in this in the sixth range. There being in like the tenth spot does nothing for me. You can make an argument that could be the worst case scenario, basically going into the season. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, I was buying in a little bit when they're in that playoff spot. They were like, like you said, in that five six spot, and they were there for a good while. They weren't mm-hmm. going anywhere, and I'm like, okay, this team is legit. Like, they figured something out. They've got chemistry. They're winning games against good, you know, good teams. They weren't beating up on bad teams. I mean, they were beating the Celtics on the road, okay? Like, that's mm-hmm. a good quality win, even though Boston was struggling a little bit at that time. Now, they've gotten some nice breaks with guys being out in games they've played, but it's like, at the same time, you still got to win the games, and they were doing it. And now I'm just curious because, like, the last thing I want to see them do is finish 10th in the Eastern no, Conference. No, no. Play on the road in a play-in game. And if they, you know, even if they win that one and lose the next one, they'd still get a better, you know, draft pick than the team they beat at nine. But it's just like, don't don't lose sight of the fact that, like, this team, if they're not going to be a legit playoff team, then get into the lottery. Because the play-in, like, that's that's for teams that feel like they've got something to prove. Like a Washington, like a New York, if they were to fall, or a Chicago. Like, they've paid a lot of money to have their roster the way that it is. Well, we've got $31 million in cap space. Don't be done with it. Like, you knew what the goal was. Like, don't come out and say, oh, it's going to be a long year. Have patience, Pacer fans. And then just lose sight of the fact that, (laughs) you know, that was the goal all along. Exactly. Like, we're not OKC. It would mean a lot to OKC to get into the playing game. That is like, look, sure, they're not going to hang a banner about it, but they're going to feel real good about it. For us, look, we've already been there. Like, been in the playing game. That was a step back from typically being in the, in the playoffs. And now it's like, let's just continue to just trust that process, build it right. Let's, I don't want to, I'm, I'm like almost, you had me at that fence of basically saying, let's get that good pick. I still want to believe, I really do. But yeah. I fear that the next time we record a podcast, the damage will have been done. That That blows me to the other side of the fence where I'm like, hey, let's get that pick. No, and that's kind of where I'm at. I just don't want to. I just don't want to see this team in in the middle again. And I know that that yeah. sounds like annoying to talk about because we've been there for so many years. It's like you finally have like the blessing of the owner to go a young route to to get yourselves a better pick, and then it's like, oh, we're gonna throw it all away because we're having a good season. <laughs> the good season, like, is it gonna last forever? Like, I I don't know. Like, it's a good part of the season. It's not the good full season. Uh, and I'm not trying to undersell the guys because the guys are the guys have played well. The guys have overachieved. They've stepped up to the plate, Flash. But at the end of the day, I just think bigger picture. Realize what's important. You've got your franchise player. You've got a young rookie stud. You've got the opportunity to grow some more players like the Neesmiths. Those are the guys that are going to be on this team, hopefully, when you do make that playoff run and they can be X-Factors, difference makers. But you're not going to win a playoff series with Aaron Neesmith and Buddy Hill as your starting front line. That's just not going to happen. You might be able to win a game, but you're not winning a seven-game series. So get yourself a top five to eight draft pick and and just sure up this roster. That's the best way to build. I, I think so. Hey, Alex, I'm ready to wrap it up if you are. 
I keep repeating myself because I'm trying to convince everybody that's listening that I'm not trying to sell this team short for what they did this year, but just thinking bigger picture. But Fachi, like you said, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us out on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yes, everybody go to youtube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. Make sure you subscribe. We will be having another episode coming out this weekend. The interview that Fachi did with Michael Scott will be available. And I might even throw our Fan of the Week segment on there as well. But uh, just be on the lookout for that if you uh, like watching the video versus listening to it on the, the podcast format. You can watch us on YouTube as well. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're hoping that the Pacers fix this losing streak and that Tyrese Halliburton comes back healthy, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.